Welcome to The Daily Cut, a podcast of Park Community Church. I'm Joe Riccardi, a pastor from our Lincoln Park location. Throughout this season, we wanted to create something consistent that would help add even a little sense of rhythm to life. And so to do that, we've created this Daily Cut short devotionals that we hope will encourage you as you grow in faith and your relationship with Jesus, maybe even come to faith in Jesus. So this is The Daily Cut, and I'm Joe Riccardi. So I do hope it's a good Wednesday for you. The forecast looks great for these next five days. Sunday, I think they said 78, sunny. Saturday, 78, sunny. I'm ready for some because I feel like we've had so much clouds, so many clouds and so much rain. So I do hope you're having a good week. And I will be continuing in the series that Pastor Trevor, Trevor Lavelle kicked off Monday with a look at some of Jesus's most famous parables from the four gospels. And if you're not super familiar with the gospels or what parables are, parables are teachings that utilize stories or everyday, everyday illustrations to make a spiritual point, right? That's what they do. And when you read uh, through the Gospels and the account of Jesus' life, you see that he loved teaching in parables they did all the time. They make up a significant portion of his teaching uh, and really all of the Gospels. So Trevor kicked off Monday with a look at Matthew 7 on the parable that Jesus taught about building your house on the rock and not on the sand. And yesterday he looked at Matthew 9 about new wine and fresh wine skins. And so I'm going to continue the series with a look at what's referred to as the parable of the sower. It's found, today's uh, teaching will be found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. So we're staying in Matthew. And I want to give a shout out to the late uh, great preacher, Pastor James Montgomery Boyce. The, uh preached for pastor for about 32 years um, at the historic 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. He wrote a great book on the parables. It's been a really a blessing to me for many years now. And so definitely want to give him credit for some of the ideas I'll share uh, today. Let me quickly pray. Lord, wherever we may be, if we're driving in a car, we're at the, we can't be at the gym. If we're maybe, maybe, maybe some of us are at a gym or in our, in our home gyms, or we're, we're going for a run um, in our homes, wherever we may be, would you just bless this time? God, encourage our hearts. We just pray that you would help them to see the wonder of Jesus Christ. Uh, give us all teachable spirits, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, like I said, chapter 13, and I want to read uh, the first nine verses of this, uh, or of the parable. So here it is, the word of the Lord. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell among on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, 
some 30. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, what's unique about this parable is that Jesus doesn't want us guessing what is he, what he is intending to communicate. Most of his parables uh, that Jesus teaches, he does not explain them. This is not one of those. He wants the reader, his original reader, and now you and I to be clear on what truth is being communicated to us in this parable. As I suspect many of you are a part of our church and you're listening to our Sunday series on what life in the kingdom of God looks like as told to us by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. What Jesus puts before us in this parable is what entrance into that looks like and what keeps so many away, right? Is there a way I can know I'm in the kingdom? And Jesus uses what would have been a common illustration of the time, that of a farmer and the sowing of seed on soil. So let's read his explanation of the parable, then dig into each of the different soils the Lord puts before us and use them as an opportunity to examine each of our hearts and see where we are, where we are at with the Lord today, okay? Turn with me again, Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Excuse me. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, excuse me, but but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, another case, 60, and in one, 30. There it is, the word of the Lord. Okay, so let's do a recap here. A sower goes out to sow seeds and the seed lands in four places. And in his explanation, Of this parable, Jesus is showing to us the four kinds of hearts, the four kinds of soils the word of God falls on, right? Along the path, verse 4. Rocky ground, verse 5. Thorns, verse 7. And then uh, later on, he goes on to say it it, it lands on good soil, verse 9. So those are the four places. So in verse four, the seed that is sown along the path, and we read the birds came and devoured it. This soil represents the hard heart, the heart that is just so hardened to God. What makes a human heart hard? Good question. The one word answer to that is sin. The unregenerate heart loves sin. 
So if you were able to, you could just listen along. If you were to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, what do we read in Ephesians chapter 2? But you were dead in the trespasses and sins, and once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and while by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So scripture is describing our condition before Christ, that we were dead in our sins. And and, and this is uh, the word that is planted. Maybe, maybe you're just talking to someone in your life and you're sharing the word of God with them and they hear it, but they're just so adamantly opposed to it. Get away from me. I don't believe that. I remember having a friend years ago at the gym tell me that. I gave him the New Testament and he said, and I forgot which, maybe it was the gospel. I think it was the gospel of Mark that he was reading through. His name is Scott. So I don't believe it. He, they talk about sin there. His heart was so hard. That's a seed that is sown along the path that the birds come and devour it. Second place, second soil that the word of God falls on is rocky ground. And that's in verse five, where they, where we read it did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since there was no depth of soil, but the sun rose and they were scorched and then they had no roots. So they withered away. This is describing the shallow heart. And we see this often in the church. People come, they get excited. They, they, they hear the music. They make friends. They see people serving. Wow, this church is energizing. This is great. I like this church. I want to be a part of this church. I think this is what I've been wanting. And, and, and maybe they even give some kind of testimony and they get baptized. But then difficulty comes. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe they start dating someone who's not a Christian and they that person says to them, I'm not going to that church. And they quickly say, okay, I'm not going either. I could just, I could just do my own thing, right? Um, right? And then all of a sudden, uh, they fall away, right? I see that all the time. I'll see someone on the, in Chicago on the streets and be like, hey, bro, what happened to you? I haven't seen you in a year or two. Or they'll pop up on Facebook. Like, what happened to that person, right? They quickly fall away. Well, what scripture here is saying is that there was no root there. They they were excited for a moment, but it was shallow. It wasn't, their excitement wasn't rooted in the truth of who God is. It was rooted in what the excitement of what they were seeing. They were never born again. They never had a genuine encounter with the living God by his Holy Spirit and their heart never trusted in Christ. And time revealed that. Time showed that. Okay, so that's the person uh, where the soil falls on um, a shallow heart, a shallow heart. The next type of soil we read is the soil that, uh, the seed that falls among thorns, verse seven. The thorns grew up and choked them. This type of soil falls on, this type of soil refers to Soil uh, represents the strangled heart, right? And what does Jesus do in particular? He calls attention here. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world. Here's the two phrases he uses. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches 
choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. So those are the two examples he gives here for the, the, the soil that is sown among the thorns. And again, like I said, it refers to the strangled heart. Jesus later says in the same gospel, Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 23, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not saying here that a Christian can't have money, right? What he's doing here is talking, uh, addressing what keeps seekers away, right? What keeps seekers away? And, And Jesus is saying, as we read in verse 22, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches right? So someone's coming to church. They're excited. They hear the message. And then they realize, I love money more than I love Jesus. Money is my top priority. Um, There's a great parable that Jesus told or a great story he told in Matthew 19. Uh, when a man came up to him who had a lot of money and asked him, what can he do to uh, earn the kingdom of God, to be in the kingdom of God, to have eternal life, right? A question um, that is a question of the human heart. And and Jesus, he, he lists all the things he does. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. If you go, if you be perfect uh, in verse uh, 21, he says, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. And we read in verse 22 of chapter 19 of Matthew. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And so it's not that Jesus is saying, I need your money. He just identified the idol in this man's heart. And he couldn't part with his money. That was his God. And that's what Jesus is saying here that some of us are being strangled by the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world, and we can't surrender them to Jesus and trust him with them, right? That's why he says uh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. So, and then he gives, Paul gives a warning in 1 Timothy 6, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. Verse 9 says, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, doesn't say to have money, but for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So that's the third soil, the strangled heart the one that over time the person realizes the world is first in my heart. The the, the pursuit of possessions is first. We need some encouragement. Okay, and we get it. Verse nine, as for what was sown on good soil, good soil, it produced a grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. The last heart to which Jesus is describing is the open heart for it is the only one that produces a good crop, right? And then Jesus explains that as well 
uh, when he explains it in Matthew 13. He says, as for what was sown, uh, verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed, listen, here's the two words, bears fruit. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another case, 60, and another 30, which is an encouragement, right? God determines the fruit we're going to bear. We're not to look at others and say, oh my gosh, look at the ministry. Look how much more powerfully he's being used. That's not for us to get caught up in. God determines the fruit we bear, right? But we are bearing fruit. And that's what Jesus says in John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. That's why Christ chose you, that you would bear fruit. So what do we see here on this heart uh, where the word of God falls on good soil? It's a heart open to the word of God, to delight in it, to receive it, to obey it, to treasure it in our hearts to invite others from our church community to speak the word of God into us, right? We don't do this in isolation, friends. Please, if you're listening to this and you're not a part of a local church, that is not God's design for you. We're not designed. He has not ordained that we would walk this Christian life alone. Don't believe anyone. No church is perfect. Be a part of a gospel-centered church where you could be a part of a community where the word of God is central and that our hearts would be open to God and to his word. And this is only possible when God gives us a new heart. There's those great few verses in Ezekiel 36. Um, uh, let me read them here real fast. I'm pulling them up. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Here's what the Lord promised in the Old Testament. And that became a reality in the new. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. Listen, verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. <clears throat> right, what do we see there? A couple things to be noted, right? We will get a new heart, right? A new spirit. An old the, the heart of stone will be removed and you'll be given a heart of flesh. Again, if you had these verses before you as well, what would you notice? You would notice the repetition of God doing the work. Verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you. This is the work of God in our lives. He could only give us a new heart. That's why when the disciples heard that teaching, about that rich man being sent away, the disciples said, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so friends, if you've never received Christ today, I pray this morning or this evening or at this afternoon, whenever you might be listening, that you would receive Christ, receive the provision God has made for you in Christ by sending his own son to die on the cross and rise again, and that you would believe in Christ and scripture says in John chapter three, you will be born again. You will have a new heart and you will be able to, you can't bear fruit apart from being born again. Hear that. 
this kind of fruit bearing that Christ is after is not possible left on your own strength. It's only possible when it's enabled by the Holy Spirit of the living God. And so I pray for each of us, though, as Christ followers, we'd get, we'd ask God today, God, help me. Is my life bearing fruit for you, God? Can people look at my life and say, there is fruit there to God's glory, not to your glory. But we could just ask God, God, I want to bear more fruit. God, I could let that even be our prayer on this Wednesday, May 20th. I want to bear more fruit for you, oh God. Help me identify areas in my life where I'm not bearing fruit so that I would um, turn from whatever's keeping me from bearing fruit and turn to Christ. So may God do that in your life and in my life. And may his blessing be upon you this day. Thanks for listening. I hope you're doing well. We'll be back tomorrow with another short uh, devotional. God bless you.